Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good afternoon to you. It's a 4.03 on a Wednesday, the 18th of January, 2023, here on The Run Home with Stephen McIver. Thanks to McDelivery, the boy is back in town. Manaya has decided to get off his rather healthy break, hey. bring in a rather fancy fade hairdo. Yeah. Like that was that you walked in and went, wow, I would say that's swag. But I think swag's uh, something I can't use anymore. Is that right? Is that too old? Look, I don't I don't know. Jacob, can, is McIver allowed to use I swag? I don't know if you can use it. But it's, oh. the, it's the right descriptor to yeah, describe yeah. me, though, isn't yeah. it? Definitely. Well, you're looking, you're looking fine. You're looking you. relaxed. How was the break, buddy? The break was great. I think what you're alluding to um, is that I've cut the beard off. Oh, uh, so, I didn't notice. No. Um, <laughs> I gave the cat a hell of a fright when I walked in the front door with no oh, beard on. I'll tell you well, that how long nothing. have you had that beard on for? Oh, I, I shave it off once a year, but I generally, I generally have it on most most oh, of mate, the year mate, round. And can I can I just say, mm. uh, looks good without the beard. Thank you. You're the first person to have told me that since I've cut it off. Oh, I, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make moves on you or anything like that. I'm just saying, <laughs> you look good without the beard and the fade. You're, you're, you're rocking it, my friend. You're rocking it. Found an extra chin underneath that beard uh, that I didn't have last time I cut it off. But, uh, that, that is the one thing, yeah, that is the one thing we all struggle with here. You do that, that summer beard, which I can't do because I have to work over the summer, mm. and you go, oh... And then you sort of you drop your chin down to your, towards your, your chest. You go, yeah, that's not supposed to be there. No, no. Uh, how was team leader Jacob today? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, that you're good. Okay, that's that was an exciting answer. Thanks for that. Now that's good. All right, uh, let's just remind you of what is on the Macca's menu today. Well, we're going to keep you up to date with the uh, international friendly happening at Sky Stadium right now. They're about to kick off between the football ferns and the number one team in the world, defending world champions in the US women's football team. So we'll keep you updated with that all throughout that match today. We've got Black Sick Dom Dixon coming your round 4.45 today. The Black Sicks have their third match at the World Cup in India at 8.30 tonight against Malaysia on Spark Sport. They need simply to win this to stay in the game. All right, it's, it's, it's that simple. Now, if you were listening to Smithy this morning, Steve Mintz, the Tuatara manager, went off like a, he's just fired off from the hip about how the fact that they have not been able to use North Harbour Stadium when they wanted to. Anybody's going, hang on a minute. And, and it feels, it feels like it's affected their preparation because, as you know, they've got to beat the Canberra Cavalry. They've really got to do it this weekend. Otherwise, their chance to, again, make the playoffs is in jeopardy. So we're going to talk to uh, Regan Wood, the owner, the owner of the Tuatara after five. We did approach Auckland Unlimited, who run the stadiums. We are about to receive a statement from James Parkin. Parkinson's, the director of Auckland Unlimited and Stadiums, about what is going on. So we have tried 
to get someone on air. They have said, no, we're going to give you a statement. So we'll have that statement of response after five o'clock this evening. After six, Garth Galloway is going to talk about the first one-dayer. Uh, where are we playing the India? I know it's in India, but where are we playing? Hyderabad. Hyderabad, the black, black caps without Ish Sodi. He'll give us his thoughts on that. We have the drive to survive. And also, don't forget, we've got a Brett Phillips from SEN Tennis uh, going to talk about that before six, actually. But uh, So that is your Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's straight to your door. So let's just remind you what happened yesterday, particularly in the men's singles, because two of the big names came out and delivered. I don't think anyone expected Andy Murray at age 35 and rank 66 and a new hip, which he's had for a while because that's been an issue, a new metal hip, to go out and win in five and go through to the second round. But uh, it's worth listening to it and worth listening to what he had to say afterwards. Game, second match, Murray. Three sets to two, six three, six three. Four six six seven seven six. An extraordinary match. Deserved an extraordinary way to finish it. You must be tired. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be feeling this this evening and tomorrow. Uh, but right now, I'm just yeah, unbelievably happy. Very proud of myself. Um, I've put a lot, a lot of work into the last last few months uh, with my team who are here. Um, yeah, to give me the opportunity to perform on stadiums like this and matches like this against players like Matteo, and it paid off tonight. We're going to all refer to you as Sir Andy from now on in this in this stadium. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is a man that's been to the Australian Open final five times. He's an inspiration to all of us. Andy, it's good to have you back. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Matt. And as we said yesterday, it is actually Sir Andy. He was knighted Sir Andrew Barron. That's a hell of a name. Reminds me of Baron Trump. You know, the, he's, no, that's that's the kid's name. I think this is a youngest child, Trump's youngest child. It's, Stephen, where do you stand on um, current athletes being knighted? I sort of feel like oh, they should, you know, yeah. they're, they're... Well, he's Scottish and English slash English, you know, so that's it's a big deal with him. I'm not so sure. I always maintain the best decision ever made by an individual athlete was Richie McCaw when he was offered a knighthood Nah, nah. It did. It did make so much. Uh, you know, made way more waves than had he just accepted it. Do you think it made more waves, or did make more waves? Yeah, it did. I think yeah, so. Yeah. I think it was great. I think he. I think I'm, I don't. I don't think knight, people should be knighted for doing the job that they are doing, particularly in the sporting arena. Now, some of them could be goats. You know, they they, they have been around and done this and that and that. And if they if they, I think it's a personal decision. Mm. I, I think we get carried away, Manaya, about this whole you need to be knighted because they need because to make everybody else feel good. I think it's, it's a purely personal decision. I think so too. But it also, I also think. Uh, when someone does receive a nitrate, you know, every now and then you have that feeling of like, really, that person? <laughs> I think that part of it is you picture a, a room of all of the people who have been knighted and you picture um, uh, okay, Corporal so Willie Apiata in that room. Oh, that, yeah, yeah you know? that's cool. I could, C- yes. could, you, could you walk up to him and be like, oh, hey, I um, coached a pretty successful sports team yeah. and feel like you're on the same par as no, him? I don't know. Dame Sophie Pascoe, right? It's Dame Sophie Pascoe, yeah. yeah. Is it Dame Lisa Carrington yet? I think yeah, it is. I believe too. it is. The the yeah, so, so does that, where does that stack up, right? Well, I, I now don't want to besmirch the names of Sophie Pascoe <laughs> yeah, and Lisa Carrington. No, no, fair, no, fair play, but, but, you, but you raise a really good issue 
about where uh, sports people are and their and knighthoods and, 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 yeah. and, and, and handing it up. Anyway, the other big talking point last night was the will he or won't he play leading to Mr. Nine-Time Champion, of which we can't use again in the question. of I don't know if you, were here, I don't know if you heard uh, yesterday, Manaya. there was one question that they failed to get, which is why Drive to Survive has jackpotted to $100 today. But the dickhead sitting in the chair here talking right now, <laughs> just, just, I've completely lost the plot. And I said, oh, I said, because the question was, who has won the Australian Open men's singles title uh, nine, oh, you know, how many times has, has Djokovic won the title? And I just went off. Yes, I said, amazing, hey, how, how um, Djokovic just won nine times. And, and Jacob just looked at me and said, you plonker, you've just given away, you've just given away the answer. So anyway. So will that be the first question of Drive to Survive <laughs> no. today then? Well, it, no. can't, it can't be now. <laughs> it can't be. So we'll figure that one out. But there was real concern that Djokovic, having missed some practices, done all that sort of thing, uh, he might not be able to play. Well, he played last night. Did it in three and is feeling the love. Thank you so much for staying this late, everybody. And, uh, also, thank you for giving me uh, such welcoming and reception I could only dream of. I, I really feel very happy that, uh, that I'm back in Australia and I'm back here uh, on the court uh, where I had the biggest success in my career. You know, definitely this court. Uh, is the most special court in my life and uh, couldn't ask for a better start of the tournament. So thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. How a year changes everything when you think about the deportation because he wasn't in, uh, vaccinated and, 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 and suddenly all the lovers there. He will find trouble going to America this year because I think they are still pretty staunch on the, the whole vaccination thing. Uh, but it wasn't, shall we say, it wasn't so perfect uh, for Novak, just before about to hit his first point, uh, I, this is my disclaimer. There is a naughty word here, kids. Well, I was told to say the disclaimer, so I'll say it. It was a bit awkward for Novak when someone yells out, "Novak, you're a wanker," but that was it. To think of all that was going on, to all that was going, the only awkward moment when I was Novak, you're a wanker. Did you see in the um, FA Cup there was an awkward moment there where they had um, how am I going to phrase this one? I should give I should give my own uh, uh, PSA before I say this. Uh, a noise interrupted the broadcast in the pre-match, and it was the noise of some adult entertainment being broadcast very loudly from someone's phone. No, which. I'm told uh, is actually was a phone taped to the back of one of the presenters' chairs <laughs> that was then triggered remotely as a prank <laughs> on those guys. Um, now, as someone who's had a long and storied broadcasting career like yourself, which is continuing, thank Stephen, you. Uh, yeah, which, which can, and long may it, and um, long may it last, and long, young man, and long may your reign continue. Um, <laughs> what? I wanted to know was you must have had some of those kind of awkward, whether it be a, a, a prank on purpose, whether it be something that happened incidentally. What, what are some of the uh, what's one of the more awkward incidents uh, in your awkward, career? Awkward or just how are we going to get through this? So, uh, just recently, I forgot I forgot a tennis player's name, and I I literally stalled on air. It was uh, Bianca Andreescu, right? Mm -hmm. And I started... Quite a big name. Yeah, and, but I went Andriana Biescu and I was in the middle of a throw to something to go to another another rain delay and I stalled on air and thankfully my director was in control and we, I said, once we got off, I said, you, I hope you didn't leave me on air just you like an open mouth fishing so it was good. But I think the, the most awkward moment was I, I still, I should have done my homework on this one. Years ago in the NRL, 
Nathan Kalis playing for Parramatta against Manly at Manly's home ground. Uh, there was he had a suspected broken neck. So they brought in the helicopter. It was a Friday night footy game. And at the time, my, my co-host was Pito Rupati. And we were yarning away, and this then this happened. And then the break kept on going. And the producer says, well, okay, boys, uh, time to fill. So I, I think the fill must be a record for me at least. I think our fill was something like 54 minutes before the game had to resume. Wow. But the most awkward part of it was at that time, the Warriors weren't travelling well. And, oh, the Warriors are moaning about this. We don't travel well, blah, 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 blah. We can't win on the road because we don't travel well, blah, 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 blah. And so I, I got to this point of saying, well, I wonder if they took their own pillows. <laughs> and so basically it became pillow talk <laughs> in like minutes 50 to 54. And we are literally waffling about pillows. Yeah. And I, to this day I'm going, what the hell were we doing? <laughs> Talking about the Warriors players taking their pillows uh, on tour. So, yeah. yeah. You? What uh, about you? I've, I've had a few uh, awkward moments. The, the one that really burns my memory, actually, on the Warriors, I interviewed Kim Marmalo once mm-hmm. and I asked him, what's the one thing that your uh, partner doesn't like seeing you pack in your bag to go on a road trip? <laughs> I thought it was going to be the PlayStation. He said, it's actually my town jeans because when she sees me pack the PlayStation, <laughs> she knows that I'm going to stay in at home and play PlayStation. But if she sees me pack the jeans... Then I'm out at the pub. Oh man, that 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 is a goodie. But, but for me personally, my most the most awkward experience of my young fledgling broadcasting career uh, is an interview came through at a radio station I used to work at. Very last minute, they said, "Do you want to interview this guy? He's got a uh, a yogurt uh, to help with skin cancer." Okay. That's all the information I had to go on. So interview, yogurt, and skin cancer. I was combined. like, okay, send him it. So he sent him it, and I was like, I'm just going to play, you know. Ask all the questions that the listener would have asked. Do you put it on your skin? Uh, <laughs> do you eat it? Have you been affected by this? How does it work? Well, it turns out the bloke that came in was Josh Emmett. Now, I, I did not know him. All I knew when he walked in was, God, this is a good-looking man. <laughs> it turns out he is, for those of you who don't know at home, a very well-known celebrity chef. And obviously he had put this yogurt out as he's made a, re- a really delicious yogurt. You go buy it. The proceeds go towards skin cancer. And he's sitting there giving me the death stare, like, what do you mean do you put it on your skin, you moron? No, you buy it and you eat it. And I was like, then what? Does it work like sunscreen? How does it stop? Does it, does it internally help out? Oh, my. So what happened afterwards when you actually stopped the interview? Did he just walk out and go, you're a knob? No, no, so normally what would happen if someone was in the studio, they stop, they get a photo, their publicist says, oh, can we put that up, blah, blah, blah. No, he beelined straight out of the thing. He took his yogurt with him and just walked... <laughs> Straight out. I walked out into the office. I was like, man, that was weird. I don't know what the guys with that um, yogurt was. And the poor girl out in the office was like, you have no idea that was a celebrity chef you just interviewed. So that was probably the most awkward Mate, moment that, of my That is a good one. Yeah, do you, do you smear the yogurt on your skin? Every now and then when I see him on the TV, he pops cringe. up. Yeah, I just break out in a cold sweat. I'll wake up once a year, I think, in the middle of the night <laughs> thinking about asking Josh Emmett if he smears yogurt on his otherwise flawless skin. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of man love going around today. Have uh, you seen that guy in the flesh? He is No. He, he's, oh yes I have. He, he's he's pretty he's pretty, isn't he? Yeah, he's a beautiful human being. He's a beautiful it's human all being. Yogurt, speaking, of, I think. speaking of beautiful human beings, uh team leader Jacob, oh. uh awkward moments? Oh well um, I have a very, very short broadcasting career thus far. Um <laughs> Again, it could but get the shorter. first time I was on on air on a mic uh, on the station. It was yeah. about a year and a half ago. 
I was on staff show and I started talking about Subway vouchers and deals Why? from Subway. Why? I can't, I can't actually remember. I Hang think on. it was to do with one of their segments, like what's making news or something and, like and, that. And, but, so so why did you start going off about Subway well, vouchers? I just got an email from Subway and I thought that was a good deal, so I should share it on air. <laughs> That was it. Yeah, that's awkward, man. It feels awkward just listening to it. All righty. So we want to know right now, what's your most awkward work moment? What is your most awkward work moment? I'm sure there have been plenty. You can get on the Makita phone line, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. That's the Makita New Zealand phone line. Tell us your most awkward work moment. Remember, Makita ruled the outdoors. Or you can get on the temper bedpost text machine on double eight double three and text us in your most awkward work moment. And remember, it's PG-13, okay? PG-13. Because I don't want to have to do all these R18 disclaimers. So the temper text machine is double eight double three for your most awkward work moment today. And temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Where has the time gone? It's 20 past four. A little update from the Australian Open. Iga Schwantek, the number one seed in the women's singles draw. Too good in the second round, 6-2-6-3. Sicardi, the sixth seed, has gone through. Dropped the first set, 3-6, 7-5, 6-3. Three through. Yannick Sinner is in the men's singles f- second round. He's the 15th seed. Straight sets over Echeverri. 6-3, 6-2, At the moment, Jessica Pegula, whose daddy owns the, I think it's the Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. I think it's that. The number three seed. I think beaten finalist, if I'm correct. Beaten finalist last year at the Australian Open. Jessica Pegula. Uh, 6-2, five all in the second against Susnovich. And the men's single second round, the men's sixth seed, Felix Ogier-Aliassimi, uh, is 2-1 up against Molkan. And the women's singles second round, uh, Kalanina against Kvitova, the 15th seed, is 5-all in the first set. Still to play today, Rafa is back on, on uh, I don't know where he's playing, but he's back on due to go around f- not before 4 o'clock this afternoon, so he's obviously still waiting. So there's a lot going on uh, at the Australian Open. We'll talk to SEN's Brett Phillips about that a little later on on the run home, brought to you by McDelivery. 4.26 on SNZ's run home with Stephen McIver, Manaya and team leader Jacob. Uh, don't forget that after five, uh, we'll be talking to Regan Wood, the owner of the Tuatara, about what's going on with not being able to use North Harbour Stadium. And we have just received the statement from uh, Auckland Unlimited. We'll read you that one after we have a chat to Regan. Uh, just to remember, we want to hear your most awkward work moments. If you want to call us on the Makita New Zealand phone line, that's 0800 150 Or you can text us on the temper text machine, which is 8833. Uh, Brendan's just texted in this one. He goes, when I was working in Aussie at a resort as a young fella, Porter Concierge, I took this guy and his wife to his room in the hotel golf cart, having a yarn, asked him some general chit-chat, drove past and someone yelled out to him and said, hi, uh, you must be well known, he says. And I said, uh, I'm the Prime Minister of Australia. And I laughed at him, thinking he was joking. He wasn't impressed. Didn't really talk to me and didn't even tip me. It was Prime Minister Bob Hawke. 
didn't like this Kiwi. <laughs> now that that's now good. That, that's that's an awkward moment. So that's what we want to hear. Your, your, your favourite work moments or most awkward work moments, should I say, uh, this afternoon here on the run home, thanks to McDelivery. Just keeping you up to play with what's going on in the world of sport as far as New Zealand is, is are concerned. International SWAT, SWAT, international SWAT, yes, fly swatting competition. International squash gets underway this week with for our two top-ranked Kiwis, Paul Cole and Joel King. It's the PSA Platinum Tournament in New York. So both have had long breaks. Oh, I see uh, Paul got engaged to the world number nine, Nelly Gillis of Belgium. I hope that's how we, we say it. But he's back on course. Dro- ranking, by the way, has dropped to number four in the world. Alrighty, just a little, just to let you know, three players can hold the top ranking at the completion of this tournament of champions. Where he's being played at Grand Central Terminal, that's a really cool spot to do it. Hey, how good's that? But he needs to win the title and hope uh, that Asal, who I think is the world number one, Egyptian Mustafa Asal, yes, who is current number one, doesn't reach the final. His nemesis, Mohammed El Shubagi, needs to win the title and make sure Asal doesn't make the semis. So it's potentially. It's quite simple. Cole win the title. Asal doesn't reach the final. You're number one again. And how these things work. He'll play the winner of Nathan Lake and Frenchman Baptiste Massotti in the second round, which is for the afternoon of January the 21st. That's not too far. That's Saturday, by the way. If Paul makes the quarterfinals, he's seeded to come up against the eighth seed, Faris Desuki of Egypt, with the semifinal opponent likely to be the fourth seed, Diego Elias. Now, as far as Joelle is concerned in the women's draw, she is ranked and seeded number four, she will play either Emily Whitlock of Wales or Marie Stéphane of France. That's because my nose has my fingers in it to sound like that on the morning of the 20th. Uh, King is the best-ranked non-Egyptian, but she has American Amanda Sobe close behind the rankings. We'll need to continue her run of late from 22, which saw her win the New Zealand Open and Singapore Open before making these semis at at Hong Kong. Update with 25 minutes and 23 seconds gone and counting. Uh, New Zealand nil, USA women nil at Sky Stadium. this is The Run Home with Stephen McIver, Manair and team leader Jacob this Wednesday afternoon, the 18th of January 2023. We are asking for your most awkward work moments. Now, there's a text in here that I don't really understand, but I think Manair has a greater understanding of it. It says, one of the funniest was Staffy's interview, that's in quotations, on air with Wayne Bennett. Yeah, so this one actually got a couple of people. So what happened was this was a Friday... um a few months ago now, in winter last year, Staffy had been told by his producer Sam that he had had an absolute coup, uh, and they have pulled the soon-to-be coach of the Dolphins, Wayne Bennett, obviously coaching royalty in the NRL. Staffy was beside himself. He did all the homework, you know, that you would do as a broadcaster with a big interview coming up. Uh, the interview was quite long. I think it went for about fifteen minutes with Wayne Bennett. Uh, and then halfway through, his counterpart over in Australia, a girl who does the show over there, she cut it and she goes, Staffy, you know that's not actually Wayne Bennett. <gasps> Turns out they just had a guy in the office who could do an absolutely cracking Wayne Bennett <laughs> impersonation. Uh, and, yeah, this this interview went on for ages. Well, there oh. was there was collateral damage for that because we were down uh, doing the show from Mount Smart Stadium. And so we were listening to Staffy's show before ours. 
Beavers in the studio going, how the hell did they get Wayne Bennett? How the hell did they get Wayne Bennett? We couldn't get Wayne Bennett. How did they get Wayne Bennett? He was he was stressing out, and then uh, yeah, for him to find out that actually it had been a, a prank what, was. What was Steffi's response? Um, I, I'm sure he went bright red. Yeah, but I think he was slightly embarrassed. I mean, I remember um, Katie Brown sort of Katie like going, <clears throat> and then Steph was like looking around, panicking, thinking like, "Who the hell's interrupting my interview with Wayne Bennett?" <laughs> oh man, that's, that, yeah, that's, so that, think... that, that's all time. No, no, that, yeah. that is all time. All right. So if you want to share your uh, most awkward work moment, then uh, you can get on the Makita New Zealand phone line, and that's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Or you can get on the temper text machine on double eight double three have a little bit of fun this afternoon it's a 435 still no score still no score in the international friendly at sky stadium how about that uh, so the uh, u.s women's football team number one in the world and uh, world champions are uh, having ha- not having it all their own way i was i was quite sort of my expectation was that they would probably bowl, put five five past them. I'm well, so was the TABs. That's where they set the over-under at. Did they? Four and a half goals, yeah. Four and a half goals. We spoke to Maya Jackman here on the run home yesterday, uh, and she was quite – she's incredible. Oh, here we go. Hang on a minute. Close, close, close. No save. Okay. That was terrible commentary, but that, <laughs> we won't worry about that. Uh, and she was quite adamant that – I think the quote, Jacob, was not this year for the football ferns which doesn't fill one with uh, a lot of confidence going forward. But you never know. I mean, her biggest thing yesterday was they just got to win the first game. If you can beat Norway, who are ranked 13th in the world, and the football ferns are 24th, and you have a big crowd behind you, you never know what can unfold after that. That would be fair, wouldn't it? That's fair. Yeah, absolutely. You never know what's going to happen in tournament sport. Yeah, well, and that's a really good point. People, people always called the Kiwis rugby league team a tournament team. You know, they, because they were 2008, you know, they started a bit shaking, they went on and won the World Cup in 2008. I was there, thank you very much. And it was fun and it was good. Uh, but they've always been thought of a tournament team and not one that could actually consistently win. So that whole tournament thing I, I, I like. It's 4.37. Coming up shortly, we're off to India to talk to Dom Dixon, the Black Sticks goalkeeper. Now, they opened with a 3-1 win over Chile and then they faced the Netherlands, who in the last outing in 2018 came second uh, and they got pumped. And it's an interception. This could be very, very dangerous. Thierry Brinkman, first chance for Netherlands, first goal. He was never going to miss. Captain of the Netherlands has put them ahead in a very crucial encounter in Group C. Critical error. Great inside, inside pass. And here's a goal going inside. Brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant touch over the flat stick. And the link-up play, an amazing part. You can't give them that space. Goalkeeper out, open net. The drive in midfield, one of the most skillful creative midfielders in world hockey. What a goal that is! How about that from the Netherlands? Touch from the top of the D. And it is all but certain that they will be going straight into the quarterfinal. Look at this run once again. Look at the space that they have inside the striking circle. The Netherlands get number three. Get number four. I beg your pardon. And... All the three starting forwards have scored for the Netherlands now. It is Hudemakers with the fourth goal for the Netherlands. And they have turned on the style here against New Zealand. 
It was a big match in Group C. It was billed as a big match, but in the end, the Netherlands have run, o- run away with a comfortable victory against New Zealand. This is the SNZ run home with Stephen McIver. Manaya, who's back and looking fine. Oh, so fine, oh, so fine, Ricky. You blow my mind. Hey, Manaya. Thank you. Hey, Manaya. And, of course, team leader Jacob. We're going to talk to Dom Dixon out of India in just a moment. The Black Sticks goalkeeper. Uh, random thought moment. Mm-hmm. Random thought moment. On-air look- brainstorm? Uh, not an on-air brainstorm. I was just looking through the news today. And there was this column on staff saying, uh, my favourite way to pass the time on a long-haul flight, spending hours watching your plane inch its way across a map. Oh, no, that kills me. I can't do that one. Hey, I can't do that one. I did have an interesting one where um, I was flying over to the UK in 2014 uh, and our flight path was scheduled to go over Ukraine. Um, and this is when a, a plane had just been shot down over Ukraine. I woke up uh, and we had been detoured around Ukraine. I wake up and we are massively off track. Um, so that was that was absolutely terrible. So, so how would you spend your time on a long haul flight? Uh, me personally, I don't look at that flight thing at all because no, that's like watching the clock for me. What I did have on uh, another flight was uh, a lady. I had the window seat. When I got there, a lady was sitting in the window seat. I said, oh, that's my seat. This is a long-haul flight. She goes, no, 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 this is my seat. Oh, here we go. I couldn't be bothered arguing with her, so I was like, all right, whatever. The doctor had given me a bunch of sleeping pills, so I took all of them. (laughs) What? I took the amount for the way over and for the way back, and I just blacked out for 12 hours. Well, I got shaken vigorously awake when we landed at um, Heathrow by a, you know, stewardess or whatever. Ah, yeah. And I said to the lady beside me, not the one who had stolen my seat, she didn't speak English, but the one on the other side, I said, oh, God, was I out for that whole flight? She goes, the, the lady beside you had to climb over you five times to go to the toilet. Oh, well, good good on you. And I said, well, if she hadn't have stolen my seat. She wouldn't have had to. She wouldn't have had to. Swings and roundabouts, isn't it? But aren't you lucky you had a strong bladder? Well, I, I wet myself as well on that flight. But, uh, <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, I did not. No, Gosh. I didn't. Um, can I share another uh, awkward work story with you? This, sounds, sounds like you're going to. This story has had a run on this show a couple of times, and actually the person who did it um, <laughs> mentioned it to me just yesterday. And I hope she's listening now. Jax, if you're listening, uh, shout out to you. Here's this story one more time. She <laughs> was a chef. This is my mother, step stepmother. Yeah. She's a chef. One day, uh, Edmund Hillary came in to her restaurant. She got to cook for Edmund Hillary, and this oh, wow. was a you know a career achievement, a milestone, isn't it? Not yeah. many people got to cook for Sir Edmund Ed, Hillary. Yeah. Sir Ed. Sir Ed. So, quick thinking, she gets a five dollar note out of her uh, wallet, <laughs> and she gets it signed by Sir Ed. <laughs> gets she, better, she leaves. She leaves it at home on the coffee table so that everyone can see. I've had a five dollar note signed by Sir Ed. She gets home from work the next day and says to her mum, "Oh, did you see that five dollar note?" I got it signed by Sir Ed, but I can't find it. Where is it? Well, it turns out her mother had taken that $5 note and put it through the pokies. <laughs> so somewhere out there in circulation, there's a $5 note with Sir Ed's signature, legit okay. signature on it. Okay, we are uh, trying to get uh, Dom Dixon uh, from India, the Black Sticks goalkeeper. I can see uh, Jacob working f- feverishly, and I think we might have him online. Can someone give me the thumbs up? Dom, thanks for joining us, buddy. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. H- happy we got you here, mate. So the, j- lucky for you, our interview might not be as long as I would have liked it to be. Uh, that win, that loss against the Netherlands, how is the team going to shake that one off? Yeah, look, it was pretty tough. We were pretty happy with the first up win against Chile just to get three points on the board. But um, 
the Dutchies are a pretty pretty quality side, and we recognise that, and we actually went into it with the the idea of disrupting them more than anything. So um, we're definitely back to the drawing board, um, but definitely looking forward to this Malaysia team. It should be a pretty good run, and um, and looking forward to a new venue as well. Yeah. Okay. So where are you playing tonight? So now we're in Bhuvaneswar, which is about. Um, it actually turned into a bit of a trip. Um, we ended up having to drive to another airport to fly out rather than flying out from Rawkeller. Yeah. Um, so that was turned into a pretty disrupted day yesterday. But no, the boys are in, in good spirits. Yeah, I mean, how, how, what is is there like a team motto? You know, about sort of staying together and when stuff like that goes down, that you can deal with that sort of thing. Yeah. Look, we have a pretty good um, senior group who sort of keeps us in check. But I guess that's the the nature of being a Kiwi as well. Everyone's pretty laid back. Laid back and um, as you'd probably know from any sports tour, the cards come out and um, the boys sort of rally and we get some music going and it's it's all pretty good. I'm lighthearted to be honest. I've yeah. been fortunate to to work in India. I love the place. How are you? How do you, is this your first trip to India? <clears throat> I've been here three times now. Okay. Or it was my third time. Sorry. Okay. What do you what do you make um, of it? It's fun, right? It's really fun. Yeah. It's a little bit different when you're in a sports team. I think it's a little bit um, sheltered. But outside of that, it's it's bloody awesome. It's an awesome place. Yeah, um, and, and are they are, pretty smoggy at the moment? Oh but, gosh, yeah. what what are the fans like, mate? Are there plenty out there at the moment? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty much like Kiwis are like for rugby. Um, that's what Indians are about for hockey and cricket. So it's it's just amazing. The atmosphere is awesome, um, and it's yeah nothing you'd see in New Zealand for hockey, which is pretty cool to. Pretty you, cool to witness. You'd be a little wary of this Malaysian side, wouldn't you? I mean, they came second in the Asia Cup and then the gold medalist in the Sultan Azan uh, Shah Cup. So you'd, where do you think their strength lies? I, I mean, their nickname's called the Speedy Tiger, so that gives us something away, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, look, you're always wary of the underdog, and I think that's the sort of stance that we're going to take. Um, and it's just a matter of going out there and executing. So we've got a pretty good plan in place to deal with their speed and their counter, um, but it's just going to be a matter of putting it together and, and outletting really well and building a platform early on in the game. Uh, Rosie Rahim, he's their, he's their rock star. He's the one sitting out yep. there in defence. Uh, how do you Has he been a target of uh, preparation? A little bit, yeah. So... As a goalkeeper, um, we're obviously very wary of his drag flicking ability. Um, so that's been a big focus of personal scouting. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I think it's it's going to be important to play outside of the tackle zone regardless um, of who the defender is. So, yeah, the boys are looking to that, but also looking at how we can target other areas too. I mean, the obvious target is to make it to the, <coughs> the, the next round, OK? So you, this is mm-hmm. this this is a little bit must-win now. A little bit. It's a bit of a different format. So second and third actually has a playoff in the pool. So assuming that the Netherlands beat Chile, um, this sort of allows us to have a draw and still go through as second, effectively playing the third team from pool one of the other pools. Mm-hmm. Um, which so in that sense, it's it's not do or die in in the worst case, but um, we definitely want to go out there and put a good. Together. Just briefly, you're one of the young, lowest capped black sticks. I think you've got about nine or ten <laughs> camps, haven't you? You've got guys in there with a, a million. Uh, what's it like coming into <laughs> coming into that environment, being being sort of the, the newish kid on the block? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, like some of these guys, you grow up idolising really. Um, the likes of Sai Child and 
Blair Tarrin and Kane Russell, you're sort of growing up and you're looking up to them. So being in the same environment with them and and getting to know them and their true colours is, is, is pretty amazing. Um, but all of those sort of veteran players are awesome guys and it's just awesome to see a different side of them i guess yeah mate just mate just don't just don't go around to calling them veterans to their face <laughs> oh we do all the time mate <laughs> good man hey dom best of luck i know it's live on spark sport here tonight at 8 30 so go well buddy and uh, uh give it a good lash Cheers, heaps. Will do. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Dom Dixon, uh, Blackstick goalkeeper. They're up against Malaysia tonight. So it's not a must win, but a win would make it a lot easier going into the crossover rounds. It's Four on SENZ's run home with Stephen McIver heading towards six o'clock. Lots to talk about as far as the Auckland Tuatara go in the Australian Baseball League. Regan Woods on the line. We'll have him in just a moment. Uh, just uh, no change, obviously, half time, nil all between the New Zealand women's football ferns and the US soccer team. So it's uh, all go for the second 45. We'll keep you updated with what's going on at Sky Stadium. Still to come before six o'clock as well in our Macca's menu. Uh, we will be looking to talk to Brett Phillips from SENZ, one of our very busy SEN commentators at the Australian Open, which is all go at the moment and providing some scintillating, scintillating tennis to watch. So that's what the Macca's menu is offering up today between now and six o'clock. Thanks to McDelivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Now, this morning, Smithy had Steve Mintz, the manager of the Tuatara, on his show. And he was going to talk about the, the necessity to win games to make the playoffs again. But the whole interview took a different turn. And it's created a little bit of a stir. This is what Steve Mintz had to say this morning. We, we feel good for where we're at. Um, uh, one of the things that's kind of uh, handcuffed us all year is the um, – uh, our our stadium over here at North Harbor Stadium, like uh, for whatever reason, again this week, uh, they they won't let us get on the field and train. We have to go and do training elsewhere, and so we can't we can't do our stuff that we need to do on our stadium. And they have been um, they have uh, they have fought us tooth and nail. Uh, so we've had to uh, we were going to train there today, and we got told so we got to go somewhere else and get our training. But um, the people over there at North Harbor have have tried to make it as hard on us as they can. I can tell you that. And uh, so, again, this week, um, we can't go to the stadium and get our training in, so we're going to go do it somewhere else to try to get ready for uh, Canberra this weekend. So Steveman's pretty unhappy with the treatment that the Tuatara are receiving from North Harbour Stadium. He also said they felt handcuffed. Now, the owner of the Tuatara joins me right now, who is Regan Wood. Were you aware that he was going to shoot from the hip this morning? Well, is it shoot from the hip or shoot from the lip? Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I wasn't. Uh, Steve Mintz is his own man, and uh, you know he would have been expressing his thoughts from the you know, from the players' point of view. So you know, 
as the ownership or the management. They have a bit of a different view on these things, but no, no, I was not aware of it. Okay, so what do you understand, having spoken to Steve, what are they aggrieved at? Oh, look, look it's been the, the ability to train on the field or have a training facility. So, you know, Auckland's a wonderful city, but as soon as you get in a car, everything takes an hour. You know, look, we've just been doing some baseball stuff out in South Auckland, and to get back to Albany, it's an hour 15. So um, the unfortunate thing was that, <clears throat> yeah, the weather sort of wrecked it for everybody. And, uh, you know, our guys were trucking from sort of Albany all the way out to East Auckland. This is pre-Christmas. We guaranteed that we were on the road for the first two weeks, hoping the weather would come right. And it's just been a nightmare. So and look, people are happy to, you know, the flexibility, but it's been very frustrating that we haven't been able to sort of, you know, train either on our stadium that we, we play on or, or around. But look, the weather's messed it up for, for everybody in all sports. I mean, I was just doing a film the other day and they'd only played two rounds of sport before Christmas. So, yeah, we're all in it together. Uh, but they, you know, he's just venting his frustration of going, hey, I'd like to be training uh, where we're playing. So you are, you are, your team is paying to use that stadium and I'm assuming that you're paying good money to have access to that does that upset you that you can't have that access? And and what are they doing to help improve the situation with training a training pitch? Oh, look, um, Stadiums Auckland uh, realised that, you know, one of the things from the last time we played that, the overuse of the field, we're in tier, because, you know, it, it, uh, we, when we play baseball, we play for four days and we like to train and so forth. So they were uh, trying to build a, um, a training facility for us so there'd be lesser demand but unfortunately uh, that got delayed um, and it hasn't quite been um, completed so you know that they were trying their best they possibly could um, you know the concept was good but unfortunately you know the execution just didn't didn't happen so look I think even at the high level we've all been trying to make it work but sometimes it just gets lost in the uh, Translation. So your relationship with Auckland Unlimited and the likes of James Parkinson and the director is is still a good one? Oh yeah, look, I've got a lot of time for James. Um, I think he's a quality human being. And anyone that Tuatara would talk about James Parkinson, I mean, he gets stuff done. Um, you know, unfortunately, I had to sort of flick a little text and go, hey, can you give me a call? Even though he's on a holiday, worst possible call for him to receive. But he's been very supportive of us. And, and the guys from Field Turf, they're trying to do the best. You know, they want the best grass. I mean, everyone, when they come there, they go, man, that's amazing. But what they don't understand is, is, is the amount of work that goes into it. So, um, you know, players want to play, coaches want to coach, and uh, grounds people want, you know, to, to have the best ground. So it's all those moving parts. But, yeah, look, State of Auckland have been um, trying, trying their best to make it work for everybody. So you've got players that are being paid pretty good money by their Major League Baseball teams and they're having to run around in cars. Do you think that affects their attitude to what, how the tours are, are operating? Do you think that's a, a black mark on your books? Oh, yeah, look, they're frustrated. I mean, they used to, let's just take, say, Zoe um, Lynn, who just left. You know, he, like, he's a 28-year-old. He's just gone home because um, Chinese Taipei, Taiwan, want him back in their uh, world baseball team. And, you know, he's earned sort of $5 million US dollars. So, you know, some days that might be worth $10 million, $9 million. And anyone's language is a lot of money. But, you know... Everyone understands, like, oh, okay, we can't use it because you can't do this. But, yeah, he, he did get a little frustrated. But I think what the question you're asking is, will the Padres and Rangers, will they reflect on it going, hey, you can't 
do this as hard on our guys, will that relationship change? I don't think so, because we're working towards a longer-term plan, but it does take a little bit of the fun out of everything doing. But, you know, they ask, does it rain this much? Like, uh, not really, hopefully not. So, so you know, like, it does impact. And going back, the, you know, coaches want things perfect. Players want things perfect. Um, we, you know, as, as uh, administrators want everything perfect. Um, but it hasn't quite been, and the weather's caused a lot of drama. And what Mincy would have been reflect on, reflecting on is, hey, he's used to having a stadium which he calls home. That, that's where the players hang out, and they go and train there, and they use it. Where, where this is a multi-purpose stadium, so, you know, there's other stakeholders involved, and we all sometimes need to, to wait our, our, our turn um, at, at the trough sometimes. So, so that is, yeah, that's the other side of it. But, yeah, very much, um, you know, as I said, Mincy was just talking about how he felt, which, you know, we all love him for, for his honesty. Are you comfortable with what he said today, that he just went out and shot from the lip? Oh, I support him. He has my full support. He has ownership through full support. Same with the players, you know. Um, he was just reflecting, going... I mean, I, haven't, I, I heard the interview just going, you know, before you haven't actually heard it. Uh, but, look, I mean, I'm sure he... You know, he, he's a man of faith. He, I'm sure he didn't call anyone an idiot or anything like that or anything offensive. I think he was just saying, hey, we need a stadium that we can use. Now, you know, what he actually said... Um, uh, and, and now I don't know the detail on it, but I'd be pretty comfortable that he's going, hey, we're frustrated because we can't train on our field. Have you felt the need to pick up a phone and talk to James Parkinson today? Uh, no, I haven't felt the need, but um, yeah, we're in contact and I'm catching up with James uh, tomorrow. Um, and um, But, you know, like James, um, you know, as I said, he's um, runs a pretty big organisation and he's always been uh, someone that I've found very easy to deal with. So, you know, look, I think James would be are you guys comfortable with it? And we're like, well, no, because it's taken a whole lot of work. But, you know, we can't... If we'd had a sunny day every day, we'll... There'd be a different conversation, wouldn't it? We'd be whinging because it's too hot. <laughs> yeah, we would. So you talked a moment ago about a longer-term plan. Does the longer-term plan include North Harbour Stadium? Oh, look, it's the best... Uh, it's the best stadium in the league. Um... You know, we just had the one of the head from the Rockadon Monkeys from Taiwan, owned by a Japanese company, and they were down and they're like, "This amazing facility. If you could have some hitting tunnels, hitting cages, we would bring our major league team down." So let's just talk in economic terms. That's 300 people that they would bring down for that period. That's 300 people that would want to, and they rest assured they're not staying the backpackers. So. You know, there's these magnificent opportunities. Um, they want to have a team uh, in the ABL. They would like to base that in Auckland so we get to utilise the facilities. But that would mean a change on how we use the stadium. And uh, that's a conversation that we'd need to sit down with everybody and sort of map it out and go, how best to use that. Now, I mean, it's a difficult time with this weather. We know we've got FIFA that needs to fill pretty soon. So and everyone's... You know, uh, yelling out for for space. So, yeah, look, it's um, North Shore's a beautiful place to be. Uh, just not when you're um, <laughs> not not when you're going to drive there every day. Do do you feel the fact that the FIFA World Cup for women is close that they might have affected the attitude, or that's a non-issue? Oh no, I don't think the attitude at all. But yeah, look, there's you know, it's. Um, the, the opportunity to have FIFA on that field and it needs to be a particular standard. 
Uh, yeah, look, I mean, that's the back of everyone's mind. But I don't think that there's no attitude shifts, you know. Um, as said, James and, and Mark, the guys from Fieldturf, they're all about it, right? You know, we talked about you know, when the finals happen, uh, would we be able to play at our own stadium? And, um, you know, that's not the case, but there was no point in going out and having a big hucker and a big hoo-ha if you don't make the playoffs. Um, and Mark and his crew said back in October, look, if you make it, we'll deal with it when it comes from there, but we need that park pretty soon to make sure it's at a level that FIFA needs. Okay, so after all this discussion that you and I have had, are you unhappy or happy with the situation and just prepared to move on? Oh, yeah, very happy with, um, look, you know, our field, when you play on it and you look at it, it's amazing. Uh, field turf deliver a good product. Um, yeah, Kevin Nepia, he's amazing. We're getting the mound ready. Uh, Mincy and the guys, baseball-wise, it's amazing. To play it there, it's an absolute privilege to be there and play at that stadium. We were just, yeah, we're greedy. We just like to use it every day of the year if we possibly could. Uh, it's magnificent. But, I mean, as far as movement, I haven't heard the interview, but I'm sure, you know, He's talking to Smithy. Smithy sort of drives it home pretty hard. And so um, well, I'm sure when I see James and Mark, it would be a bit of a non-discussion. It'll be more of a point of, you know, how are you guys going? You've only had played six games of your 12, and have you received your insurance money yet? And, and we go from there. So let's talk about the, the season coming forward. You, you need the, the, these wins to, to make the playoffs. Where is your confidence standing at the moment? <laughs> oh, well, you know, as, as we're all New Zealanders, all Kiwi, we're always confident. We still have that elite level of confidence, don't we? But, um, yeah, we've got to win. If you look at numbers, and so people can understand, Brisbane, um, is a, if they win all four games, they'll set the record for the most wins in a season. So, you know, our job is to beat, is to split that. Our job is to win two games. And if we win two games, we, we think we'll make the playoffs. So we're pretty exciting. If you think about it from a... If you could plan a season, it comes right down to your last series, your last four games. I think everyone would like to uh, play in that sort of atmosphere and under that kind of pressure. All right, Regan, I appreciate your time, mate, and your honesty. Uh, go well. Cross fingers for the playoffs and the, uh, the Tuatara are lighting up the diamond again. Have a great Wednesday. Are you coming out on the weekend or what? Uh, mate, I'm, I'm down south in Invercargill with motor racing, buddy. Oh, yeah, who's racing down there? Oh, it's the uh, the Super Sprint Motorsport New Zealand Championship, which features the Toyota 86s, the Formula Regionals, which are Wings and Slicks and Hayden Padden, and uh, is going to go out in, a, in an all-comers series. So it's a, it's a busy old weekend, my friend. You can watch it all live on Sky and TV3, mate. Nice. I, I like it. So what time's it on? <laughs> um, I think I think we're on air from about 10 or 11 in the morning both days. I'd always like to love to see your presentation on TV. You just set the standards, right? Those very exciting moments. Maybe we can put you on the big screen at Albany and you can sort of, you know, teach something. Yeah, mate. Right. You, know what I, you know what you can do one day for me? Let me do the first pitch so I can look like an absolute goof. <laughs> oh, I was going to offer it this, this weekend, but you're motor racing. What are you oh, doing on Friday? Pardon? Friday, Friday night. No, nah, mate, I fly, I fly Friday morning. I appreciate the offer, but I'm going right. to... Are you, are you left-handed or are you right-handed? Righty. Uh, you know, we'll make you go left, really sort of put on a show for the crowd. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time, but I appreciate the offer, man. I appreciate the introduction with the ACDC too, because that's <laughs> what we do. You sit back and back. We do the old Thunderstruck, so I appreciate it. Really, the way you tied that in together, that's classy. Classy. Mate, we are a very strong team here at ENCZ, and we want to look after you. You, you look after yourself, bud. 
Alright, 2-8-5-18 Regenwood. Hey boys, got the offer to throw out the first pitch. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I reckon. Uh, you see many celebrities, especially <laughs> oh, in America, doing it. I don't know if Steve McCoy. Oh, hey, 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 settle down. <laughs> so I did, I did promise you the statement coming from James Parkinson, the director of Auckland Stadiums. Uh, this is what he had. I'm going to read it to you, and you can make up your own mind. Uh, this is the statement about you know the the inner lack of access for the Tuatara of recent times. Auckland stadiums host a range of international sports fixtures, stage shows, musical acts, schools and community events across our three facilities in Auckland, North Harbour, Western Springs Stadium and Mount Smart. As venue managers, Auckland stadiums always seek to provide our partners with as much access to our venues as possible. This is managed through our booking system. Okay, booking system, so we can coordinate the activities of the many organisations that utilise our venues. Unfortunately, the inclement weather the last few weeks has made it challenging for our ground staff to allow our partners the same level of access that they would ordinarily have. One of our partners, in fact, is the Tuatara team. They are not alone. This means that from time to time we may need to make the tough decision to close access to our venues. For us, it's important that our venues remain in top international shape to ensure that we can support our partners because without world-class facilities, we can't deliver on the standard that we agreed we would uphold. Any thoughts, Manaya? Yes, absolutely. I have, uh, the one that stood out to me um, is that they have a booking system now. I would think that a team like the Tuatara, when they have their agreement with a, a venue like that, obviously they don't. They shouldn't have to compete with, you know, your local little league team. You know, your under 18s going down there and playing. You you would think, would would you not? I mean, I, I yeah, guess. Yeah, no, I'm with you. If you're a professional outfit and you're paying money and more money than the, your little league team or whatever to get the job done, and this protection of the pitch, I I really find interesting because you know that we're and we're talking, I think, about the wider pitch, and that's where the sort of this the the conspiracy theory for me is they're talking about the wider pitch and with FIFA coming on board I reckon mm. there is a lot and I know how fickle FIFA are I reckon there is a lot of pressure to protect that pitch and it's and and FIFA are probably playing a lot more to have it there do you not think yeah I mean that's that reading that is one way to read it um, <laughs> that there would be a lot of pressure on from there I, I can see but I I also um, can see what Regan just mentioned there yep. that the manager's just just venting his frustrations because he was an American bloke, you know, he's used to, hey, that's our stadium, we should be able to go down there. And I think that's why this one caught everyone's attention today because that's how we think as well. You're the Auckland Tuatara, you should have access to your home field yep. Whenever you want. What else is going on at that stadium that is, you know takes precedence yeah, I, over our local I, baseball team? I was trying to think about that, but let's remember too: we are in an environment where the baseball teams, the team, does not own the stadium, mm. and it's not like America where the team owns the stadium. So again, it's that community sharing, and that's what they're dealing with, and that's why uh, Steve Mintz vented this morning on Smithy between nine and midday. So I hope that's. Do we, are we going to come out of this and go, it feels like a bit of a storm in a teacup? 
Maybe. We've got a good text here. I'll, I'll, I'll read I, it. I was, I was about to go and read that, actually. Okay, no, Do you, you mind if I read that? Oh, not at all. Thank you, mate. Uh, it's perfectly acceptable, says this text on the Timber Bed Post text machine, uh, for a coach slash manager to vent their spleen at frustrating logistics and admin that puts the spanners in the works. How else do we know the struggles of these sports? Upper management seem to have got the linen cupboard door open and started ironing. That's their job. Good work, SENZ, for giving Tuatara a man a beacon of outlet, and now we all know. Alrighty, well, that's our job to make everybody's life easier and also to inform and entertain, baby. It's 5.23. You know what? I was a little chuffed when he said, do you want to come and throw out the first ball? Uh, When it comes to... Never too much, never too much, never too much. 5.28, this is the SNZ Run Home, thanks to the good friends at McDelivery, with uh, team leader Jacob and Manaya back in the house. Uh, speaking of being in the house, uh, the US women's football team have put the foot down in the second half at Sky Stadium against the Football Ferns. A 52nd minute goal to Mallory Swanson, a header, and Alex Morgan, the rock star, has just scored in the 60th minute. A nice little back heel. Hold the phone! Hold the phone! There's goal number three in the uh, 63rd minute, so uh, that's 3-0. Just as we speak, they score again. They are opening the door and away they go, the number one team in the world and defending world champions. 3-0 at Sky Stadium, the USA over New Zealand. Uh, Just a little note here, by the way. Uh, Rafa... Rafa in his second round match is serving 15-30. He's trailing 2-4 against Mackenzie McDonald. He's trailing, did I hear me right? Rafa's trailing 2-4. Uh, team leader Jacob says, well, Rafa, 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 Rafa loves a comeback. He loves a comeback. Man, but he's, you know, he's, this guy's 66 in the world. That's your number one seed, by the way, Rafa. That is your number one seed, thank you. As the 15th seed, uh, Kvitova is gone from the women's singles, beaten by the Ukrainian Kalinina, 7-5-6-4, 7-5-6-4. So it's all going on. In Australia, that was a Mallory Swanson, her second goal. So she's got a twofer at Sky Stadium. 52nd and about the, what did I say, the 63rd? And an Alex Morgan 60th goal. So 3-0 the USA over the football ferns at Sky Stadium in glorious conditions and perfect conditions inside Rod Labour where it's raining in Melbourne because the roof is on. Stick around. Coming your way before 6 o'clock, we'll talk to SN's Brett Phillips about what's going on at the Australian Open. It's a Wednesday afternoon and this is SENZ's Run Home with Stephen McIver, team leader Jacob and Manaya in the house on the 18th of January 2023, 5.32, not too far away from going across the ditch and talking to SEN's Brett Phillips about the tennis, which is quite captivating at the moment. Francis Tiafo is about to come up and court against uh, Shang Chung Chen in the men's uh, singles run. Francis Tiafo is a crazy guy, but it's great to watch. A little bit of an update on what's happening on other courts. Uh, Jessica Pagula, the third seed, she's through. 6276 in the women's singles. Uh, Felix Auger Alassime, the sixth seed for the men, he's in a spot of bother. 
He's lost the first two sets, 3-6, 3-6, and he's, he's up one love in the third. So that could be a four-setter and a five-setter. I spoke to you a moment ago about uh, Kalanina, the Ukrainian, beating the women's 15th seed, Petra Kvitova, 7-5, uh, 6-4. Uh, Rafa must have been listening to uh, team leader Jacob because Jacob said, Rafa loves a comeback. Well, it's 4-3, but McDonald leads 4-3, and he's actually serving 40-15 in the eighth, eighth game of the first set. So uh, one to watch. We'll get SEN's, SEN's Brett Phillips on that like you wouldn't believe. Uh, by the way, you are listening to The Run Home, thanks to Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. But, lads, isn't it nice to see tennis not upset by rain when you've got about, I think they've got about like two, three courts that have lids on them it wouldn't have been nice in the past week that we could have had that at the ASB Classic Would it be too hard Stephen you've been down there at the uh, ground covering Ow. it you've been covering it for, for many a year oh, here we go. would it have been hard for um, you know would it be hard to put a roof on that thing did I read a story today saying that they had a budget for in 2015 they had a budget they had a budget the, the, the talk was something like 20 million uh, but when they put the when they did the yok stand that big concrete stand that replaced the old yok stand that cost twelve million. Wow! Uh, and so what what the the smart thinking on this right now though is we don't need a fully enclosed stadium. No. Maybe the one like Adelaide where you have a, like a sail a proper waterproof covering over the centre court or stadium court as they now like to call it, and you have the air coming through the sides. Yeah. So you have so it gives. Our stadium, that still that intimacy, because they shut a few matches down for heat over there in Australia. We yesterday, don't have yesterday, though, but most of them. Are, what was it? What did we say? It was a AO five like Defcon five warning, and it was like for thirty six plus degrees. So yeah, they don't have their have own that. issues. Yeah, we don't have that. It doesn't get cold here in summer either. Even when it rains, it's still quite warm. So you, I agree with you. We just need the. It's money though, right? A shade so it's, it's oh, money. How hard. I was saying last week we should get a, you know, you could go to Kennard's Hire and just get a few easy up uh, gazebos, <laughs> you know, just in the meantime till we get a more permanent solution. But Mate, Kennard told me they go, well, that's a big job, lads, but we can do it. No job too big for Kennard's. No job too big for Kennard's Hire. All right, it's 5.36, stand by. We'll head to Australia next with, <laughs> that's very good. Very, very good. Sorry, I'm just easily amused at the moment. We'll talk to Brett Phillips next. And this is The Run Home with Stephen McIver, Manaya, and team leader Jacob on a Wednesday, the 18th of January, 2023. Uh, if you wanted to talk about anything that we've been yarning about today, get on the Makita New Zealand phone line. That's 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Remember, Makita ruled the outdoors. And if you want to tell us your most awkward work moment... We've shared some awkward work, awkward work moments. Then you can get on the Timber Bedpost text machine, which is double eight double three. And remember, uh, Timber and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Oh, by the way, four nil now. Another goal just uh, gone into the back of the ferns net, so it's four nil. Uh, football ferns behind the number one team in the world and of any world champions in Team USA. So uh, not going so well, but the TAB might have been on the money. Hey, Jacob, they, well, they say four and a half was the four and a half was what they were expecting. So we're at the 77th minute. Uh, there's still time to maybe bang five in as well. So we'll just have to wait and see. But we're, this was always going to be, if you remember, this was always going to be one of those matches with a, 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 a squad that was not full 
for the football ferns, and it's a learning curve for those three debutants as well. Uh, SEN's Brett Phillips is probably one of the busiest men in the world right now, and we probably have to be very gentle with him and not shout at him because he's at the Australian Open, and he joins us right now. G'day, Brett. How are you, mate? Hey, Stephen. Nice to uh, nice to chat to you. I'm actually just trying to find a, a dry spot. It's uh, been a yeah, wet, old, wet old Wednesday here in Melbourne. We're still waiting for play on the outside courts. So lucky we've got uh, three courts that have got a roof. So we've had uh, yeah, some action today. What is it about Rafa and the, the idea of wanting a comeback? He was down 4-1 in his uh, first set against this Mackenzie McDonald. It's now uh, 5-4 McDonald. And uh, it's just the advantage. He's, he's, a, he's a point away from losing the first set. What's going on with Rafa? Well, I think, you know, as he's, he keeps getting older, I mean, the challenges are there. This young group uh, are pretty keen. They're, they're playing some good tennis, so they want to take a big scalp. And, you know, and the Dales are just a smidge slower. And look, you know, over his career, Rafa hasn't always been the quickest starter, uh, but he can restore order uh, pretty quickly. And that's the challenge for, you know, the, the, the more inferior player is can they actually go the journey now? I'm a huge fan of this guy, Mackenzie McDonald. He beat um, fellow American Brandon Nakashima in the first round who won the next-gen ATP finals last year for the players up 21 and under. And he's had a lot of injuries across the journey, but he is a very, very good player. He's strongly built that lower core, and he can hit a good ball. So, you know, in order to beat a guy like Nadal, you've got to take a little bit more risk. You've got to, you've got to run him ragged a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, if he can get the front running, who knows? Uh, but we saw, obviously, with Rafa the other night, he was able to work his way back. But, you know, the tests are going to come. It's not an easy first week uh, for Nadal to try and uh, navigate his way through. Well, Mackenzie just won the first set 6-4. Are you, are you a bit of a romantic like me? And you're sort of thinking, gee, wouldn't it be nice if Andy Murray could just go deep? <laughs> well, if there's one man who deserves to win the AO when you're a five-time finalist, it's... Uh, <laughs> Murray and I, it was goosebump stuff uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, a crowd standing ovation that lasted a lifetime, and even drew uh, well almost a smile out of Ivan Lendl, the great Ivan Lendl, who's coaching Murray. He doesn't show much emotion uh, courtside, but you know it was fascinating because you've got you know Matteo Berrettini, who's ten years younger, thinking to himself probably, well, I, you know, I should get the better of uh, you know the older player here and just run him around and that big forehand and huge serve and. And Andy's such a smart player. He mm. defends well. You know, from defending, he can attack. He's got all the variety. Uh, yes, the body's absolutely feeling it. No doubt it was the uh, uh, slowest walk back to the locker room. And we'll see if he recovers in a couple of days. They're likely to play the Aussie Fanasi Kokonakis, uh, which will be uh, yeah. a great matchup. But he's still got some life in him, Andy. He still wants to keep playing and competing. I was seeing some of those those whipped backhands of his and going, yeah, he hasn't lost too much. With Djokovic receiving <laughs> such, Djokovic receiving almost like a hero's welcome back on Rod Laver last night and then bundling through and straight, Does he? do you think he's actually the one now to beat? Well, I think the, the, the body's an interesting watch. No, there's no doubt he's the best player in the field. He's He owns this court. He's, he's best results have come on Rod Laver Arena across his Grand Slam career. He has got that strapping. Uh, certainly in the second set, Bayanna the Spaniard was uh, you know, throwing in plenty of drop shots and, and really making uh, you know Novak stretch at full tilt. Uh, how's he going to go? Seven matches across a fortnight and you know he's not 100%. I mean, it's been rare to see Novak bring an injury into a major. There, there might be times where he gets a nickel or two halfway through, but he pushes through and wins. 
But he is, uh, he's made of steel, uh, Djokovic. Not the same flaky Djokovic who came here in 2006-07 who hated playing in the sun. This guy's made of uh, some pretty tough stuff now and he's going to have to grit the teeth, go one game at a time. But, yeah, the body will be an interesting watch. Are you a fan? Oh, look, I don't have... Uh, I don't uh, have some of the vitriol that uh, people do uh, towards... Uh, Novak, you know, I think certainly for me, Roger will go down as the greatest player I've seen. If I'm just you know, not looking at records, I'm just looking at the aesthetics of the tennis Completely. court. But he deserves enormous respect. I mean, he is an incredible, incredible athlete. Um, you know, what he's achieved in the sport, there's no doubt he'll break all the records. And it's a bit like with all these sports people, you don't ever totally know them. You're trying to analyse and not to character assassinate. And, you know, tennis obviously has got so many different players from different countries, different cultures, nationalities, the way they, you know, go about, um, you know, celebrating or commiserating and you're trying to understand the person and the tennis player. But, yeah, look, Djokovic, uh, you know, I think has got certainly the respect of people in Melbourne, but maybe not the love and the adulation of uh, Nadal and Federer. Mate, uh, no curios, so the attention turns to a lot, of, a lot of young Australians out there, although Jonathan Millman has Medvedev, the seventh seed tonight. He's got a wild card. Mm. He's come through a big first-round match. Is is it a step too far for Medvedev, or are we going to see a little bit of magic today? <laughs> well, we hope you know John Millman can keep the run going. I mean, he's 33 and played a huge match in uh, round one. We'll see how Johnny's uh, recovered, but he's the ultimate ultimate uh, competitor. The thing with Medvedev is he is wanting to get back to the top. You know, he was last year's finalist. He's been to world number one. Didn't have a great great Grand Slam year last year, and he's become a dad late in the year. Uh, But he's a pretty ruthless competitor who's on top of you from the opening point and looking to break serve. So, yeah, whether John can go with him tonight, I think it might be a a mountain a little too big to climb. And there's speculation that could be John's uh, last Australian Open, but a guy who's just rolled up the sleeves. He's got as much talent in his whole body as Nick Kyrgios has got on his in his little finger, but he can be damn proud of his career. And if you beat if you beat Roger Federer, if you beat Roger Federer at the US Open to make a quarter, there's something pretty special yeah. about you. And that's the only night that I've ever seen Roger Federer sweat. <laughs> hey, what can you tell me about this kid Rinky Hijikata who has sits a pass tonight? Yeah, we love Rinky. I don't think I've seen a player more emotional on court the other night. It was at the point we were calling it on radio, Stephen, and uh, we sort of said, Mark Woodford and I, Rinky, just take a little spell here because uh, you're not going to have enough energy to play the next point. He's uh, he's just <laughs> hugging random people. He's eyeballing the crowd. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it actually worked for him. He's a 21-year-old from Sydney, just built his career, the ranking incrementally, little stint in college in the US, hard worker, He's actually got some weapons for a guy of his stature. His serve is really decent. You've got to have a decent serve if you're going to make it. And he's at 150. A lot get stuck in that graveyard between 100 and 200 in the rankings, which means they're not bad players. They just can't quite take the next step. That'll be the test for Rinky. But uh, he took a set off Nadal at the US Open uh, last year. So he got some exposure on a big court. I don't think he'll be overawed, and who knows. But City Pass will have a lot of Greek support in the crowd uh, tonight, oh, big Greek population who support he and Sakari, and the Aussies will be uh, barracking for Rinky. So 
it should be a great atmosphere. And just just briefly in the women's draw, there's a there's a bit of a mouthwatering match coming up between Emma Raducanu, Coco Golf. Both were here at the ASB Classic. Uh, Raducanu went out went out early. Uh, what's going on with her her game and her just the way she's carrying herself at the moment? Well, look, I mean, the great thing to win a US Open at yep. 18, incredible story. Um, unfortunately, it's probably put, I think, a bit too much focus on yep. her. And we need to probably just let her be a teenager and just develop her game. So she goes from uh, total, um, you know, oblivion, really, yep. uh, ranking at 300 to, to 150 a rock star she's uh you know in almost inside the top 10 so every match from that point that she won the u.s open has been scrutinized really heavily the uh the the bad part for emma is that she's changed coaches a hell of a lot since that u.s open and that happens a lot in the women's game but needs to sort of better self down with one coach and look, i actually saw her on the media balcony here a couple of days ago and she's you think gosh she's such a baby face person in the spotlight how do you cope with that but her first round win was really good here. It was really solid. There's no doubt she can play, but she's still an absolute work in progress, as most are, unless you're Coco Goff, who has just done extraordinary things since she was 15. Yeah, and, and what people fail to realise, as I discovered last week, Brett, was that Emma Raducanu's first full year on the tour was last year. So that's, that probably yeah. says a lot about it. Mate, I'm going to leave you alone because I know you've got a hell of a lot of work to do. If you're working with Mark Woodford, pass on my regards. I worked with him a couple of years back. He's one of the good blokes. Yeah. Indeed, and uh, we love uh, bringing the coverage to SENZ uh, every night, so we'll be in the bunker on Rod Laver tonight, and uh, yeah, it should be a great night of tennis. Looking forward to it, mate. Nice job. Thank you, Brett Phillips, our SEN commentator, and bringing you that exclusive coverage here uh, on SENZ of the Australian Open. So just a little bit of an update going on. Uh, McDonald uh, has taken the first game of the second set off Rafa. What is going on? What is going on? It's still 4-0, by the way, in the 87th minute between the Football Ferns and Team USA. Team USA 4, Football Ferns, zip. This is SENZ's Run Home with Stephen McIver, and that's probably the tune going through Rafa Nadal's head right now about staying alive in a second-round match against Mackenzie McDonald, who's taken the first set 6-4, broken Rafa early in the second set after an hour's play, and McDonald leads to love in the second set. So is it going to be another long, long day? For Rafa, who knows? Francis Tiafo and Shang in their second round match. Tiafo being the 16th seed. Uh, games are on serve. Coming your way after six, we talk cricket with Garth Galloway in the first one day international tonight at in Hyderabad between India and the Black Caps. We'll talk about that after six. And your thoughts are always welcome on the Makita New Zealand phone line 0800 150811 here on SENZ. Six oh four. This is SNZ's run home with Stephen McIver, Manaya, and team leader Jacob, uh, taking you home wherever that workplace is, and you head home. Please take it easy wherever you are around Aotearoa, New Zealand, and if you're listening on the SEN app in Australia. Take it easy, digger. Don't rush. No road rage anywhere around the place. So there's still lots to come uh, before 7 o'clock this morning. In a moment, Garth Galloway is part of our Macca's menu. Oh, and we are going to play Drive to Survive. Your chance to win the uh, the 
double up a $100 TAB voucher. That's what's going down today in Drive to Survive. Don't call now. I will give you the cue to call, as they say in music radio. And that's your Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, uh, delivering your Macca's straight to your door. Final score at Sky Stadium, the big four and the big donut. Four goes to the Team USA, the big donut goes to the Ford Football Ferns. Anyhow, tonight, uh, the first of three one-dayers, and then there's uh, three T20s, I believe. The Black Caps are playing in India in Hyderabad tonight. They are down on power. The man that's going to break it down for you in, into centimetres of breakdown is Garth Galloway. Hey, Garth, how are you, buddy? I'll do it. I'll, I'll do my best. Inches, how's that? <laughs> no, no, that's old school, mate. We're not imperial. Come on, centimetres, you know, millimetres, all that sort of stuff. How are you? All right. All right, I'll do it your way. Uh, have you, uh, you've probably watched enough cricket to sink a battleship, so do you have confidence going into this, after the Pakistan series, going into this one? Well, well I think New Zealand did very well over there, Stephen, and to, to win a series 2-1 in Pakistan was, was you know, it, it was meritorious. Um they also, of course, won their first series uh, earlier last year against the West Indies. But this Indian side's a very different uh, kettle of fish to the to the Pakistan and the West Indies side. Um, so, do I have confidence? I think if you're, you know, if you're a betting person and you've got your house on it, uh, you'd go with India. But uh, but New Zealand may surprise. So they're going to miss Southie and Williamson. You know, these two very vastly experienced players for New Zealand who have come back home and we'll be preparing for the Test yeah. Series against England. Yeah, yeah. This, and this is, this is uh, I suppose, where we want to talk about depth all the time. And, of course, Trent Bolt, who doesn't have a New Zealand contract, right, uh, he, he, he would have been handy to have. So who do they rely on? Ish Sodi's not there. And, and, and before, yeah, we get, well, before we go any further, because they are preparing for the World Cup, which, by the way, is October, November. It's a little way off, but they need to sort their subcontinent weapons out. How big a loss is Ish Sodi tonight? Oh, the, the, hard to measure, really. Um, bowled well in the Test Series over there. Uh, you know, an established T20 player and a reasonable 50-over one, I think. Uh, you know, you want to give Sodi as much cricket as you can before that World Cup in the subcontinent, Stephen. So it's a loss from, you know, from a, the point of view of experience, practice, uh, being against a side like India in those conditions, because, as you say, the World Cup will be in India in, in uh, just under 12 months' time. So... It, it, a loss for New Zealand in terms of playing, but a real loss in terms of an opportunity to get him out there against the likes of Sharma, Gill, Kohli, you know, Suri Kumar, a terrific bat, batting lineup that the Indians have. Uh, so they'll rely on Satna, who of course is captaining the side with his 90 uh, caps and, and a vastly experienced and very good one-day player. Ferguson will play. He, he's got 50 games under his belt. And then you get into pretty inexperienced stuff with, uh, Doug Bracewell, Shipley, or Duffy will be two of those three. Will probably play. They have twenty-four. Who, 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 who would you Who would you play? Who would you play? Uh, well, it's interesting because Bracewell was the last one picked. But I like. I've always liked Doug Bracewell. Mm. I think he should have played a bit more cricket for New Zealand. He's more in the mould of uh, Matt Henry, who he's replacing. He, he, he's right arm, medium fast. He'll bowl around one thirty-five to one forty. And he bowls on that lovely line outside off stump. Shipley with one cap and Duffy with two are, of course, a lot less experienced. So for me, I, I would play uh, both bracewells. Uh, Michael uh, batting at seven as the off-spinner. Satner as the you know, left-arm wristy. Uh, Ferguson would play, and I'd probably play uh, Bracewell and Shipley, who, who was, of course, picked against for one of those games against Pakistan. How important is Lockie Ferguson to this outfit right now? Very. Um, 
you know, he's not, he can be a little bit expensive, but there isn't a lot of variety in that New Zealand attack. And, uh, you know, a player like Milne or uh, Ferguson bowling at 150 k's now add that variety. And he's worked on his variations. He's a much better bowler than he used to be. And there are many of us, Stephen, who'd like to see him playing the longer version of the game, uh, you know, and, and, and giving New Zealand some more variety in that form as well. So, He's a key, um, obviously quite injury prone. And, you know, you're always walking on broken glass a little bit thinking, crikey, what could go wrong? Uh, but he's, he is, he's, he's absolutely critical. And this Indian batting lineup, when you look at it with Sharma and Kohli, you know, Sharma 228 matches, Kohli 268 matches, averaging 58, Sharma 49, and you've got Gill at 18 matches at 60. That top three's incredible, really. And, uh, we're going to need Ferguson to be absolutely on his game, and, and, and New Zealand will have to make inroads into this Indian batting lineup quickly. So, so, so we're sort of throwing in a somewhat of an experimental bowling lineup, and and the World Cup's not due till October, November. What do the selectors gain from this? Do they uh, this early in the year? Well, they haven't really got any choice. That's the problem. Um, you know, one of the things I've been saying to, particularly to Mark Watson, when I when I've talked to him is that, you know, there is, for my money, in terms of experience, that there is a lack of depth in New Zealand now. Uh, Wagner, Salvi, Bolt, this wonderful uh, trio, uh, all getting a little bit older. Uh, Wagner, I think, has probably just about done his time in a New Zealand shirt, not that he was involved in the white white ball stuff. Uh, and so you're really having to try and bring these young players through. And, and it does mean, you know, I, I've talked about there being what I perceive to be a lack of succession planning in recent years. And I think we're paying for it a little bit now. So we, we do have an inexperienced side. Uh, having said that, you know, I, I do place great stock in, in Santner as a white ball player. And Bracewell, so far, has been a wonderful find. Uh, he's going to have a real challenge against this Indian batting lineup. And then, you know, I, I, the other thing, when you look at it at the other end of the team, um, Stephen, you know, you've got a, not much experience in the top order either. We know what Conway can do, but he's only played 15 one-day internationals. Alan is, you know, still. That's a big question. Uh, That's a big question mark for me, still. And I know, I, I, I only because I'm, I'm a Guptill fan, right? Now, maybe I'm a Guptill fan for all the wrong reasons, because, you know, he, he has experience. But, you know, they, they doused him in favour of Finn Allen, and Finn Allen hasn't come to, come to play, really. He hasn't got close to it. And, um, and I'm sorry. Uh, no matter what uh, what anyone says, you know, for me, and I've said it to your listeners before, I think the way they played him in the T20 World Cup was foolish. They just said, go out there and smash it, and it didn't work. He hasn't got a defensive game. That's the problem. So uh, he might be starting to develop it, and that's certainly why they want him to play in this longer version of the game, because uh, in order to, you know, before you attack, you have to be able to defend. And I haven't seen enough of that from Alan. Uh, you know, they've placed massive stocks in him. They've said that they want him there for the World Cup in October, November next year. And they've said a few months ago that's what they're focused on and that's why Guttel's not in the squad. And that's a big call to make. Um, so I, I'm not saying at the moment that he's not good enough, but I'm certainly saying I'm, I'm, not, yet, I'm not even remotely convinced at the moment. And, uh, you know, there the, the seems to be a sort of love affair with him and with the public. Uh, which belies his achievements so far. He flatters to deceive, in my view. Yeah, would you have would you have kept Guptill on in some sort of capacity, e- e- even if Absolutely. it was just white ball? 
Uh, I, I wouldn't have ever played him in red ball, but I'd certainly have him in the white ball mix, yeah. I mean, I think, again, also, when you go away and we look at that World Cup and you look at the experience in, in the New Zealand side, of course, they will have Salvi and Williamson back, which will add a lot. But uh, I, I just feel that to throw away Guptill uh, pretty unceremoniously as they have and to stake everything on Allen uh, carries with it a lot of risk. Uh, you, you know, if it pays off, well and good and would, good on them. Would you call it mismanagement in this case, in, the, in this solo case? Oh, I don't think it's mismanagement. I, I, I just think that it's, it's risky. I, I've, I've often said, though, that for New Zealand to succeed with the, amount of, the, the limited amount of talent that we have, you have to take risks. And so that, that's one that New Zealand have decided to take. You know, I sincerely hope for their sake that it does pay off because um, Alan will be an entertainer. He will be good to watch. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm certain he will be part of New Zealand cricket side for a long time. Um, but you want to have some, you know, sort of fruition in terms of run scoring. So, no, I, I don't think it's mismanagement, but I do think... Um, that to discard a person of Guptill's experience in a year like this, uh, when a lot of the rest of the squad is is relatively inexperienced, carries with it risk. I've got a line of thinking after talking to some people like yourself who have a lot more cricket knowledge than I, that there may be one of the problems with our one-day game going forward could be that the domestic competition just isn't tough enough. Couldn't agree more, and um, and and nor you know nor really does it attract much interest, and that's a shame. Uh, you know, the, the back in the day, as you'll remember, uh, Radio Sport used to cover every game and the Shell Cup and the Shell Trophy. They were all broadcast, and people, I think that there was a lot more interest in domestic cricket, full stop, in those days. Uh, and because it's not, uh, I, mean, I know some of it is uh, is, is being uh, covered on the television and the weekends and things, but there's so little coverage of domestic cricket, really. And I, I, we're, we're unable, because the big bash is on in Australia and so on, we're unable to attract the overseas players. You might remember that in the 90s, uh, there were pl- players like Aravinda de Silva played over That's here. Right. Uh, I remember uh, Matthew Maynard, you know, some, Graham Hick, some very good players from overseas came and played in our season. And that's all changed now, and that's that's going to get worse. Uh, with the we now have the Bangladesh League, the Pakistan League. There's talk of a league, and there's one in South Africa. There's a talk of one in America. You know, I'm afraid all of that leads uh, to our domestic competition, unfortunately, getting weaker. So, what would you do? There was a suggestion here on SENZ by someone. I'm trying to figure who made the suggestion that maybe, just maybe, New Zealand should start throwing a team or two into the Big Bash League. Well, it was Chris Cairns, excuse me, it was Chris Cairns, Garth. Well, it's not a bad suggestion from Chris. Um, you know, would, would they have us? That's, <laughs> that's the other thing. Uh, and they might. I mean, it's, it's no different to your, you know, your beloved Warriors um, and, and, and what's happened over there. You know, if we're just going to focus on playing domestic cricket uh, for, our, for our, you know, domestic players, it's going to become, it, it's very tough for them to get better. Uh, and that, that, that's not a suggestion I've heard before, but it's not one that I'd turn my nose up at all. Uh, you know, the, the, the Big Bash, I mean, I, I, I struggle to watch it. I, I struggle to listen to it because I find the commentators are so dull. But um, <laughs> you're, uh, We you know, know you're a purist, Garth. We know you're a purist. Well, well they're Australian and they're not, but they're not even interesting what they say. You know, they're, they're just, it's just like a boys' club. It's very dull. Anyway, that's my view. But um, <laughs> but they don't talk about the, you know the, the game itself and what's happening, and they don't give you those wonderful insights that we need. It's a, but but look, I 
I, I don't know. I, I, that would be a good thing, I think, Stephen, if, if we had an opportunity to play with those sorts of teams and those sorts of players. It could only benefit our players. And there was talk, and, and, and you know, Chris is right again, there was, there, there was talk years ago, and in fact there was a Gillette Cup in, back in the 1970s where New Zealand uh, domestic teams, 50-over teams, did play against the Australian teams. And often, you know, there's been talk of New Zealand first-class teams joining the Sheffield Shield at times, you know, to, to try and get better competition as well. So it's not it's not a new suggestion, but I think it's a good one. From, from your understanding of Hyderabad uh, and, and watching enough cricket from the subcontinent, is it a is it a batter's pitch, or what would you do if you win the toss? Uh, well, it, it's interesting because in Pakistan, you know, New Zealand won. Uh, the second one-day international batting uh, first, and they won the second one batting second. So that doesn't that doesn't give them too many indications. I think what I would expect to see is that the ball uh, will turn. Uh, you know, Hyderabad is, has a reputation for spinning, which will be a real test for New Zealand's batsmen. Uh, you know, New Zealand, it'll be a very different conditions to in Pakistan where the ball didn't turn too much. So. I'd expect the ball to turn. I guess, I mean, my pick is that if New Zealand win the toss, they'll probably want to chase and bat second. Uh, you know, and, and so that's why that's why I would think will happen, but time will tell. It's a beautiful day over there. Uh, you know, it's, the game starts at 1.30pm local time, forecast high of 30 degrees, moderate humidity, couldn't be any better. Man, can you do me the, can you give me the pitch report right now? Put your key in the key in the pitch because you sound like you're there. <laughs> I'd love to be able to do that for you. Garth. We've just finished doing the Pakistan um, New Zealand series, as you'll know, from a, yeah. a studio in Eddington with Jerry Coney and Daniel McCarty and and, yeah. uh, and Richard Petrie up in Wellington in their studio. You, you've almost got to try and put yourself in the position that you are on the ground. <laughs> so, so perhaps I'm able to. I'm getting better at it. It's a modern world, and you're a, you're a, you're a top bloke, Garth Galloway. Thanks for taking me to the centimeters and the millimeters of what to look forward to tonight. Nice to talk. All the best to you and your listeners, Stephen. Thank you, Garth. Garth Galloway. Don't forget that first one coming away. The first one day international of three between the Black Camps and India. So, Manaya, you've listened to Garth. Uh, where, where do you stand on this one? I got the impression pretty quickly that he's it's going to be a tough one for the Black Caps. Anytime you play India in India, uh, the deck is stacked so heavily in their favour that you know a, a series draw. <laughs> If one got washed out, we won one, lost one, uh, would be would be great. I've always wondered. You know what I've always wondered, and, and maybe we're not the right people to be talking about this because I'm not. I'm, I don't know uh, an enormous amount of cricket, but I've always wondered. You can throw in this one too, mm-hmm. team leader. Uh, is why have New Zealanders always struggled with spin? Is, uh, that because, is that because of the conditions that we have here? Yes, yeah, that's oh. exactly right. So we have our green seeming pitches here. <laughs> they, uh, they don't, and this is <clears throat> we had Ish Sodi on not too long ago, and we were talking about just that. Same with Ajaz Patel as well. How hard is it as a spinner applying your trade here in New Zealand? Because we need spinners for when, for exactly scenarios like tonight and scenarios like October. Um, excuse me, <clears throat> where. We need to play spin because those tracks favour it. But where do you get the reps in if you're a Kiwi player that specialises as a spin bowler? Plus, I think there's uh, an element of um, us cricket fans that just love watching the battle between spin bowler and and batter, Those particularly in tests. But, you know, we've seen T20 uh, matches start open with spin bowlers, and Mm -hmm. we we don't really... um, We don't really 
create or produce those kind of players. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask him this question, but maybe it's a negative question. I should be incredibly positive. But he agreed with the the idea that the local competition, the one day, is weak. I wonder whether there is a fear that if we don't sort that out, you know, our one day form, our T20 form, and the next generation won't bring us what we require and that something needs to be done from the top. Well, I actually think that from talking to um, Mitch McLennigan, who's going to be hosting the show on Friday, um, that it's actually, that's part of the problem, is that because the the way the Super Smash is set up at the moment and the way it's um, all run, you know, centrally from New Zealand cricket, it's essentially a feeder league for the Black Caps. They're looking for the next, uh, to unearth the next big star. They don't offer contracts to a lot of veterans who are at the end of their career because they see that slot as, you know, potentially being another up-and-comer, which in some people's opinions, weakens the competition because you now don't have these grizzled veterans at, you know, 32, 33 years old to harden those players coming up through the ranks. Who have played international cricket. Exactly. I would would rather send young players away to stronger leagues and then bring them into the black cap environment. Wouldn't that be the smarter way of doing it if you you recognise that you're your own competition is a bit poo? Well, or or by treating your own competition as its own competition in its own right, uh, as opposed to a feeder league for the national competition, you then create a competition that is exactly what you're saying, exactly what yeah. we need. It's a, it's a competition of adults, you know, Grown men, grown men, professionals who play yeah. their sport, and if you are good enough to compete against that, then arguably you're good against uh, you're good enough to compete at the international level. But oh, but I'm not telling you anything when I say the big thing killing all this, moolah money, mm. other leagues throwing big money and all those international boys that may be at the end of their tether going ooh. I could make a lot of money here as my phone goes off again. Okay, uh, it's uh, 6.22. I've got to stop that. I thought I'd put it on silent. I apologise. What song was that? Uh, anyway, moving on. It's uh, 6.22. You know what my nickname around the traps is? Then just go figure that one. 6.22. This is the SCNZ Run Home with uh, Stephen and the lads. If you want to share any of your thoughts about tonight's match, feel free to get on the Makita New Zealand phone line. That's 0800 11. This is The Run Home. Thanks to our good mates at Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability means the freedom to move. SNZ in the run home with Stephen McIver this Wednesday, the 18th of January at 6.28. A little bit of funk just to take you home. Like me a bit of funk. It feels like Disco Third Tuesday all over again, but that doesn't matter. Just a quick update from the Australian Open. Nadal, yeah, he's all over the spot at the moment. Lost the first set 6-4, trails 4-3-4, uh, and Mackenzie McDonald is up to serve, so he's got a break there. In the other match, uh, Francis Tiafoe, the American 16th seed, took the first set against uh, China's Shang 6-4, and that one is continuing. There's some big matches coming up with Tsitsipas, uh, which was Stefano Tsitsipas, the third set up against uh, Rinky, I love that name, Rinky Dinky Hijikata. Now the Dinky I added in. He's the Australian wild card. You would have heard Brett Phillips say, this guy can play. So there's so much going on and of course Jonathan Millman, the vet, up against the seventh seed, Daniel Medvedev. We've got all our coverage coming your way after nine o'clock this evening here on SNZ. So get amongst the first slam of the year.
Uh, Dave Rennie has released a statement after being boned, as the Australians say, boned. Uh, and that's what they say. You get boned, right? You lose your job. So just leave it at that. Uh, first, I'd like to thank all those who have reached out to Steph and I over the past 48 hours. The support's been immense and much appreciated from the more than 500 messages I've received from current and former players, coaches, administrators, and friends both here and abroad. I've loved my time with the team. They're outstanding young men who are keen to learn and prepared to work hard. The staff I work with during my time with the Wallabies are some of the best in the world, and they played a massive role in creating a quality environment and developing the depth of the playing group. I'd like to particularly thank those in the Australian rugby community for their support of the team over the past three years and for all the words of encouragement when we've crossed paths in schools, on the training field or in airports around the country. I'm disappointed I won't be able to see out my contract in the way I agreed to back in 2019, but leave knowing I had the full support of the playing group and the staff. I certainly felt we have made massive shifts over the past three years, both on and off the field, which is off the back of a hell of a lot of hard work put in by good people. I wish Eddie, the staff and the team all the best in what's a massive year with the Rugby World Cup less than nine months away. That from Dave Rennie, the former Wallabies coach. Nice bloke. It's half past six. Your chance to call right now. Call right now. This is your Q2 call to play Drive to Survive. Get on the Makita New Zealand phone line, 0800 150811. 0800 150811. Oh, yes, it is. 6.33 this Wednesday on the run home. Thanks to McDelivery. Just a little bit of an update. Uh, Rafa Nadal's taking a medical timeout. He looks in discomfort. He's trailing 3-5 in the second set and down a set. Okay, $100 TAB bonus bet on the line for whoever can answer all the questions today. And if we don't, we just do we double it again if we don't do it, or we do we double it? Where do we go? Well, not double it, just add another 50. Oh, okay, okay, right, okay, you tight ass. Oh, you're trying to give away all the money. Yeah, you tight ass. Okay, uh, let's move on. Luke, how are you? I'm good. Stephen, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, buddy. How's your day been? Uh, pretty busy, actually, getting back into the swing of things. So, so um, what does one do to have, be, have a busy day to get back in the swing of things? Uh, one is a teacher, so getting things organised. Oh, nice. What level of teaching and where, mate? Uh, I'm a primary school teacher down in Dunedin. Oh, fantastic, mate. You're, 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 you're one of the people we love. All right, uh, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> uh, lap one, question one. What ground do the Auckland Tuatara play on? Uh, is it Albany? Oh, I'm giving you that one. It sh- you should have said North Harbour Stadium, but I think jo- Jacob just w- went the generous ma- generous finger push. So, okay, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> oh, you got on that one. Okay, what black cap spinner is not available for selection tonight due to an ankle injury? I'll go Fentner. Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. No, it isn't. Okay, stay on the line, Link. Let's get our good mate, Brett and Hartley. G'day, Brett. How are you? Good evening, mate. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, buddy, here we go. What black cap spinner is not available for selection tonight due to an ankle injury? Uh, it's Sadie. What's the name of the arena the Aussie Open Grand Final will be played on? Well, not really called Grand Finals. Let's just say the, the, the singles finals, the doubles final. What's the name of the arena? Rod Laver Arena Park. 
I did it again. I did it again. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. I said, what's the name of the arena? Okay, the Royal Lever Arena. Okay, alrighty. Who is the number one seed in the men's singles at the Australian Open this year? Oh, is it Say that again. His engine has blown. No, I must. I'm, what, what did you actually say? He said Novak. Novak. No, that's incorrect. Brett, stay on the line. Zaid, how are you, buddy? Come in, Zaid. Hello. Hey, mate. Who's the number one seed in the men's singles at the Australian Open? He's struggling right now, old Rafael Nadal. Good man. What does it look like? Does it look like a hip thing? It looks like he's holding his hip on that replay I can see right now. Could be a hip flexor. Who knows from Dr. McIver. All right, let's move to question one, lap two. Do the breakers have any current players that are the same height as Stephen Adams? Um, no. Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. Okay, Luke, you're back with me. I'm here. I'm here. Do the breakers have any current players that are the same height as Stephen Adams? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was always going to be an easy one. Right, so Sam Timmons and Rob Lowe are both 211 centimetres. You're a primary school teacher. How tall is that? Uh, tall. Pretty tall. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, give me that. <laughs> yeah, oh no, we got you that one. That's cool. Uh, which NBA team does Chris Paul play for? Oh, um, yep. Oh, sorry, Joe. I've got to wait for. I got to wait for old uh, team leader Jacob to push this little button. <laughs> okay, how many years did Ian Smith work for Sky Sport? Oh, I'm almost had nineteen. His engine has blown. No, it wasn't. Brett, how many years did Ian Smith work for Sky Sport? Was it 23? Wow. <laughs> how long were you there for, Susan? Well, that's the next damn question. Oh. How many years have I continued to work for Sky Sport? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, come on, bro. Uh, front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. All right, Zaid, how many years have I been working at Sky Sport? I think you said 32 the other day. Zaid's your biggest fan. You've, you've got to stop listening to me, Zaid. Okay, you have got to stop listening to me. That $100 bonus pet is all yours. 32 and still going, baby. Cross fingers, tap what? Thank you. No, you're welcome. What are you going to do with that, that bonus bet, mate? Um... I don't know, maybe maybe some big bash or a um, bit of tennis. Depends what or boosted odds, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't mind a bit of boosted odds. You don't mind yeah. a bit of boosted odds. Yeah, one day someone's going to explain that to me. All right, Zaid, I appreciate the time, mate. Yeah, thank you. I, I will take that as me giving you the money, Tay, since you answered the question about me right, all right? Yeah, sweet. Sweet, all right. Thanks, Zaid. So that is Drive to Survive, which will go back to... $50 TIB bonus bet tomorrow. It is simple as that. So just a little note, it's still a medical timeout for Rafael Nadal. Down a set, 6-4 uh, to Mackenzie McDonald, and down 3-5 in the second. And you know what happens, what they do inside the arena? They're doing the old uh, Mexican wave. This doesn't look good for, for Rafa at all.
Uh, Francis Tiafo was 2-1 up in the second set against Shang of China. Took the first set 6-4, leads 2-1 in the second. That's what's going on right now. Now, just I wanted to update you on something, which was the other one, which was Felix Auger-Eliasseme, the sixth seed. Uh, he has gone to a fifth set. So Molkan won the first two sets, 6-3, 6-3, and uh, Ogier Alassami has come back 6-3, 6-2, and they're about to start the fifth set. So there's a lot of big numbered sets going on, or should I say matches going on uh, this, this time in the uh, Australian Open. Back with more on the run home. Yippee! <laughs> This is the SNZ's Run Home with Stephen McIver, Manaya and team leader Jacob. Uh, Just if you have only hopped into the car or only switched on your your app to listen to us on SENZ app or SEN in Australia. The Football Ferns got beaten and well beaten by the world champions today in the form of the USA at Sky Stadium in Wellington 4-0. Here's a wee recap. Lavelle for Rodman. Trinity Rodman. And then the header Mallory Swanson approaching the hour mark second half has been all the US oh Lavelle lovely back heel here come the United States again and it is number two and Alex Morgan not to be denied here they come again the United States another chance here's Swanson around the keeper and makes it three and how quickly New Zealand are closed down when they have possession just a two and three player press every time they have the ball even deep I guess the energy of the substitutes is part of that but just not a moment's rest Rodman another good cross another good header what a lovely goal from Lynn Williams Haran and that is all she wrote in Wellington the United States flex their football muscles goalless in the first half but a four-goal blitz in the second from the double-defending World Cup champions. Mallory Swanson with a couple of goals. Alex Morgan and Lynn Williams also on the score sheet. They put the foot down and accelerated away from their hosts and come away with a very, very impressive victory indeed. So 4-0, thanks to Sky Sport for those highlights of the 4-0 win. The football fans going down to Team USA who are looking for a three-beat will base themselves in Wellington for the World Cup and bring thousands upon thousands of fans with them. The Rick Dog's in the house. He has extra time after seven, but loves his footy. Mm. Uh, No surprise that result really, was it? No, I think if you looked at the TAB before the game, I think it told the story. Four and a half, they were asking, I think. Well, you could get $26 for the football firms to win and $13 for a draw, and the US run backable. Um, I think that said everything. We're ranked, I think, 22nd in the world now. Fourth. 24. I, I, I think it's still, I know there's been an up and down. Mm. I've seen 24. So yeah. that's where we're in the 20s. Yeah. And uh, we looked every bit that. Uh, the other thing, too, to remember is that uh, the football, the, the FIFA international windows, this isn't one. Um, so clubs aren't... So that wasn't a full-strength football first No. But nor, nor was it a full-strength yeah, US, US No, team? probably there was a couple of players they didn't have, but... Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Well, and the other thing is that they, most of their players play in the US and the US competition hasn't started yet. 
right? So they're in pre-season at the moment. So they could call on everyone, basically. They, they took a while to get going, the Americans, but then once they put the hammer down, they put the hammer down and went bang, 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 oh, bang. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, honestly, if they had their finishing boots on, that could have been messy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think nil all at halftime. You go, nil all at halftime, that's great. But I wasn't convinced that that was great. I just thought that was the US not taking their chances. Yeah, and fair play. And Maya Jackman said yesterday, and, and she was quite open and honest about it. She she did her road trip with Kyra and Caroline, her daughter and her partner, down there and, and really looking forward to seeing what was on hold. But she was quite bl- quite blunt, I thought, and said, as far as the chances for the football ferns at this World Cup, uh, not this year. She wants them to win the first mm. game against Norway. Now, they're ranked 13th in the world. Yeah. That's that's a tall order. Yeah, and they've got a player in, in, in that Norwegian team who's just come back into the fold. His name escapes me right now, but she's been the uh, formerly uh, the women's you know golden boot winner or Ballon d'Or winner. Um, she's basically the, the, the Erling Haaland of women's football, um, oh, as, wow. you know, as in the Norwegian team. So we played Norway recently. We went up there that's late right. last year. Yeah. I think they beat us 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that really has been... Was that where there was the hat-trick of own goals? No, that, that was no. that was against the USA okay. last year when we played them over there. Um, uh, Michaela Moore, unfortunately okay, for her. We'll, she'll, we'll leave she'll, that one alone. She'll, she'll, she'll love me bringing that up again. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we struggle with, uh, continue to struggle with, is scoring goals. And, uh, you know... Uh, it's a bit of a pop-gun attack. I saw a couple yeah. of attempted strikes on goal and didn't didn't scare me. No, I mean, the other thing is we haven't had Anna, Hannah Wilkinson available. You know, she's been carrying an injury and she's really been the one number nine that we have that's a traditional sort of number nine. Will she be available for the World Cup? She should be. She should be. Should be. You're not totally convinced. What do your sources say? Uh, well, no, I think she's had, she's had problems with injury at the start of this A-League season because she's playing for Melbourne City and she hasn't been playing a lot for Melbourne City. So I think they've kept her under wraps. They did didn't have to release her, and they didn't. So we can't really read too much in A for how the football ferns might go mm. in the World Cup, nor can we read too much uh, from the US team, except to know that they are still very good, regardless. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. I mean, and they were without a few players. Julie Ertz, uh, I uh, was talking yesterday to Daisy Cleverly about her. She anchors the midfield, if you like, sits in front of the defence, mm. uh, quarterbacks it a little bit, breaks up the opposition play. She's on maternity leave, just had a child. So she's not there and she's not going to be at the World Cup. So the Americans are trying to figure out who's going to do that job. They don't have a, a natural replacement for her. So that that's part of what they're doing here is trying to figure those things out. Got to say, I saw that little back heel for Alex Morgan to mm. go and score that goal. And I thought that was just sweet. They are, they're a well-drilled outfit. Yeah, they're class, man. They really are. Our class and you know I think it says everything I don't think New Zealand I've said this before but I don't think New Zealand's quite ready for this World Cup I mean the fact that we've sold 500,000 tickets already for this World Cup it's ahead of the France 2019 That's correct, World Cup because they only sold a total of 1.1 million in the France mm. tournament and so pre-sales are strong are they strong for Australia or strong for New Zealand well, I've heard that 20,000 people are travelling from the US yeah, that's right. and so they're only going to come here because the US... Are anchoring themselves here. Yeah, anchoring themselves here. And if they win their group, they should be able to stay here right through to the semi-final. Well, that'd be exciting, right? Now, yeah. uh, the next match for the football ferns against Team USA is Saturday? Saturday at Eden, at Eden Park. Park. You going? I'm not, unfortunately. I've got a mate's 50th on. So, um, oh, no, you're at that stage like me too. Yeah. Your mate's 50. My, yeah, well, I, I was 50 last year, so oh. and now they're all, they're all dropping. They're all turning fifty. Oh, gee, careful! You said they're all dropping. You know when they said drop. They may no, no. They're all they're all turning fifty. 